We're going to read from Psalm 31 tonight, and you can find that on page 559 in your church Bibles, 559. Psalm 31, for a director of music, a psalm of David. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord, I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, 
all you who hope in the Lord. Good evening, everyone. My name's Liam. I'm the music coordinator here at St. John's. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and it's my pleasure to uh, open up God's Word um, for all of us. Uh, as we do that, let me pray for us as we start. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken to us as we've listened to your word read to us. I pray that you'd continue to speak as we reflect on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have got your Bible in front of you, that would be really helpful. I spent a bit of time on Friday just making sure there were Bibles in the pews. It's going to be helpful for me, and it's going to be really helpful for you if you have your Bible open at Psalm 31. Um, If you haven't got a Bible in front of you, I'm sure there's one nearby. So it'd be really good if you could grab that. Let me start with a question. Let me start with a question. How, How do you keep going? How do you keep going in your Christian life, whether times are good or bad? How do you keep going? Or to put it another way, how do we stay strong? How do we stay strong with everything that's, that's thrown at us in life? How do you keep going? From this psalm, Psalm 31, which we just heard read, we'll see how David kept going with the Lord, even when life seemed like it was falling apart around him. We'll see two things uh, looking at this part of God's word. They're going to pop up on the screen now. This is what God's going to tell us. He's going to tell us to take refuge in the Lord amid affliction. And he's going to tell us to cry out to the Lord for vindication. Now, I know affliction and vindication, they're quite long long words, (laughs) but we'll get there. I'll explain those as we go along, so don't worry about that. Um, These are the two things we're going to see. So let's jump in. Take refuge in the Lord amid affliction, or in simpler words, stick with God when life's hard. Stick with God when life is hard. Uh, We'll see this from verses 1 to 13 of Psalm 31. So have a look straight off the bat. We see David taking refuge in the Lord. He starts starts his song with these words. He says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. And he continues his prayer in verse 2. Let me read verse 2. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Taking refuge in the Lord is like sheltering in the strongest of fortresses. Imagine being in the heart of a castle. You're in a castle, and you're surrounded by these big, strong, thick, massive stone walls. Maybe there's a moat around the castle as well. The drawbridge is up. How do you feel in that castle? You feel safe. The doors are tightly shut. You're safe from those who are outside. That's what David says taking refuge in the Lord is like. Or he uses another picture in verse 5. Have a look. It says, Keep me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Taking refuge is like being in a fortress, or, or taking refuge in the Lord is like being in his hands. The safe and strong hands of your heavenly Father. No one and nothing can snatch you from those hands. God's, God's not got butterfingers. You're safe in those hands. So taking refuge in the Lord is, hopefully you can see, it's a really good thing to do. It's good to be in God's hands because that's a safe place to be. But why? Why take refuge in the Lord? Well, David makes it clear that he, he is facing affliction. He's facing hard times. David takes refuge in God's hands because, look at verse 8, while there are enemy hands grabbing at him. He takes refuge in God's hands because there's enemy hands grabbing at him. 
When we look at this psalm, it's not exactly clear what, what David's affliction, what his suffering is. You read over verses 9 to 13, and you see a little snapshot of what it might be. It seems to be, it seems to be affecting him both physically and mentally. He feels guilt and he feels shame. It's, it seems like his closest friends have abandoned him. Verse 12 is a striking image. Have a look at verse 12. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. Have you got a favorite mug at home? Here's, here's, here's a mug. It's got some water. It's an excuse to take, some, take a little drink. Have you got a favorite mug at home? Picture that mug in your mind. Here's a mug. Hannah McGinley bought this for me for um, Secret Santa at Christmas. It's a great mug. Coffee goes in the mug. Coffee goes in my mug. It's great. Um, oh, I've spilled water. <laughs> Should probably put it down. Imagine your favorite mug. What's the picture that David's, David's got? Well, he's saying, imagine that mug being smashed on the floor. It's not, not just a little chip off the mug. It's completely smashed. You try and, have you ever tried to glue a mug back together? It's not going to work. It's not going to work very well. It's never going to be the same mug, is it? Um, I don't think it's going to work. Well, that's how David feels. And that's how, how afflicted he is. He's saying he's like broken pottery, smashed on the floor. We don't exactly know what David was facing, but I think actually that's good in a way. Um, whatever the pressure, we, like David, can take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord amid affliction, amid suffering. And this, this is important as we go through pain. God understands our suffering. He's written it down in his word for us. This psalm is written down by Israel's greatest king, and he's expressing his suffering. We are allowed to express our suffering. Do you express your suffering, not just to, to those around you? Do you express your suffering to the Lord? Do you take it to the Lord day after day, even if the pain won't go away? Do you keep taking it to the Lord? Think of Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was afflicted. He was despised. He was rejected. He was even betrayed by a close friend, and he was abandoned by the rest of his friends. Jesus was in anguish at the prospect of facing the righteous wrath of God on the cross. And Jesus cries out. He cries out in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember? He's, he's sweating drops of blood. Um, Luke's Gospel records Jesus praying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus takes refuge in the Lord as he prays. Even on the cross, think of Jesus on the cross, surely the height of Jesus' affliction. Jesus prays, verse 5, from this psalm. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus is in, on the cross. He says this, it, Luke writes this, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Right up until Jesus' last breath, Jesus took refuge in the Lord. And it's a really good thing that Jesus did that. It's a good thing that Jesus took refuge in the Lord because, because Jesus did it, now we can do it as well. Jesus lived the perfectly obedient life to God and then he died on the cross in the place of sinful people like you and me. As he was crucified, he took the judgment that, that I deserve. And because he did all of that, because Jesus died, we can take refuge. Without trusting Jesus' death on the cross, we dare not draw near a holy God. But 
when we trust Jesus, we can take refuge in the Lord amid affliction. So I encourage you, take refuge. Take refuge, not, not just once, but again and again and again. Take refuge. No matter what pressure or what affliction you're facing, take refuge in the Lord. So what, what is it that afflicts you? It could be physical, it could be mental. Take refuge in the Lord. Perhaps like David, you've been abandoned by a close friend. Take refuge in the Lord. Maybe like David, you feel like those watching you are mocking you. Maybe in the workplace or just in your day-to-day life, it feels that way. Well, take refuge in the Lord. Or maybe for you, it's, it's, your, it's your fellow Christian brother or sister who is going through the tough times. How do we help them? How do we help that brother or sister who's going through tough times? How do we help them to take refuge in the Lord? I think there's two lessons that we can, um, we can take from this psalm as we walk side by side with those who are suffering. Firstly, first lesson, we don't, we don't ignore their affliction. I know I'm often tempted to, if I ignore someone's suffering, maybe it will just go away and they'll be a, a little bit less awkward. That's my temptation. But we don't want to be the person who's doing the abandoning, do we? So that's, that's the first lesson. Don't ignore their affliction. Second lesson, as we walk with Christians who might be, who might be suffering, it, we, we don't have to fix our Christian brothers and sisters. What a relief that is. <laughs> Thank God it's not done to me to fix someone. You're, you're not the refuge. God is the refuge. We can point people to him as we pray for them, as we read the Bible with them, as we remind them of God's promises, as we speak to them the good news of the gospel. Just being there with them. We can point them to the Lord who is the refuge. What does that actually look like to take refuge in the Lord then? Well, think about what you do to escape it all. What do you do to escape it all? What's your chosen form of escapism? It's the end of another long day. You binge watch another series on Netflix. Maybe you crack crack open a bottle of wine. You only have a glass or two, but it just helps take the edge off. Just to hear me straight, those two things, TV and alcohol, they're not bad things when we accept them as good gifts from the Lord. But they can quickly become where we go for refuge rather than the Lord. I want to say that Jesus is better. Jesus makes a better refuge. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Essentially, it's all about trusting God and and crying out to God. And that's actually where we move to next. Um, We look at the second half of this psalm. Cry out to the Lord for vindication. So take a look at verses um, 14 to 22 to see this. And we see David's confidence to start with. He declares his confidence in verses 14 and 15. So verse 14 says, But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. My times are in your hands. What an amazing thing to say. We thought of God's um, strong fatherly hands earlier. Well, David declares that it, all his times are in those hands. The Lord's hand is over every single detail of his life. What a comfort that is for us to know. But that truth that, that God's hand is over everything, that doesn't lead David to be fatalistic, meaning he doesn't just say, oh, well, life's hard, better suck it up. No, David cries out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord to change things. Have a look at verse 15 again. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. 
And if you scan over the following verses, um, 16 to 18, you see the, the word let. Do you see that word let is repeated? David's asking, let things change, Lord. Let things change. More specifically, he's crying out for the Lord. He's crying out to the Lord for reversal. Uh, look at verses 17 and 18. We see David crying out for reversal. He says, don't let me put, be put to shame. Let them be put to shame. He says, that, let their lying lips be silenced. Do you see how he's, he's crying out for reversal? But more than reversal, David is crying out to the Lord for vindication. Now, I think vindication is a bit of a big, long Bible word, um, if you ask me. But I think vindication is a word that is worth understanding. So vindication, what does, what does vindication mean? Well, it's proof that someone or something is right. If someone is vindicated, then that person is proved right. Think of it this way. If I, if I accuse you of doing something wrong, but you've not done something wrong, you're innocent. I'm accusing you of doing something wrong. You want to be shown uh, that you're not to blame. You, that's, that's vindication, being proved that you're in the right. And that's what David wants from the Lord. He wants to be shown to be in the right. David wants vindication. On the surface, it looks like David is in the wrong. His circumstances are full of affliction, like we've seen. He's been spoken of badly by his oppressors. He's been abandoned. Some people might look at that kind of life and think, well, God, surely God can't be for that kind of person. God's not for David, is he? But David longs for vindication. He wants to be proved right. And you see those, that vindication in the next couple of verses, verse 19 onwards. Um, have a look at verse 19. It says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. There are, there are good things stored up. Lots and lots and lots of good things. For David and for those who like him, fear the Lord, take refuge in him, who shelter in his presence. And God says he'll bestow those good things in the sight of, well, everyone. That's vindication. Everyone is going to see it. David wants vindication, and he's sure that one day he'll get it. He'll be proved right in the end. And you, you see that, look at the psalm as a whole. You see the vindication come. At the start, David is crying out, be merciful to me, Lord. Be merciful to me. And by the end, verse 22, he says, yet you have heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. David cries out to the Lord for vindication. But I think it's important that we, we don't know what time scale this is on. I'm guessing David didn't wake up one morning, sit down for his quiet time, and pray this prayer, and all his problems were solved. <laughs> I'm guessing that didn't happen. And so too with us. You and I both know that praying this prayer, or, or praying any prayer, isn't going to be like a silver bullet to our problems. I don't know what you're struggling with now. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. Maybe there's, there's one thing you've been struggling with and praying about, maybe for, for weeks, for months, even for years. I don't know. But what I do know is that at the right time, God will give you the good things that he's got stored up for you. Your pain could last a lifetime, but it will not last an eternity. It might be that we see some of those good things stored up for us in this life, but we will certainly see the goodness of God in the new creation when Jesus comes back. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus Christ suffered and then he rose again. He suffered and then he rose again. So we can be sure of our final vindication when we're in Christ. Think of a, a letter inside of 
inside of an envelope. Wherever the envelope goes, the letter goes as well. Same is true with us for Christ. We follow in his footsteps. Jesus sets the pattern for our Christian life. Think about the shape of Jesus' life. It's got this kind of tick shape to it. Think about Jesus' life. It's got this tick shape to it. We, we, when we were reading the Creed earlier, and before he was born, he was divine, the eternal Son of God. He's always existed, and being in very nature God. But he became a man. The tick goes down. He's the servant of all. It goes further down. Read the Gospels and you get the sense that, that Jesus' life just gets higher and harder as he goes on. He's despised, he's rejected. The tick shape goes further and further down. And then he gave up his life. Jesus died. He dies a shameful death on the cross. Could the tick shape get any lower? He's abandoned by everyone. He's bearing the curse and judgment of God. But magnificently, like we said in the Creed, God raised him from the dead and exalted him where? Well, to the highest place. You see that tick shape to Jesus' life. And the tick, tick goes <laughs> so high. And we follow in Christ's footsteps, the way that Christ has led. Jesus does say that Christians will suffer. But he's also promised that the glory to come would outweigh the suffering now. And not by a little bit, by so much. <laughs> and if you, if you doubt that, which, sure, I doubt that as well. Well, look at Jesus Look at what Jesus has done, and look at what Jesus has been through for you. When we trust Jesus, when we trust Jesus, we can be sure of final vindication. We will be raised with Jesus. So keep going with him now, even if it's really hard. Keep going, because it's going to be worth it. We can be sure of that final vindication when we trust Jesus, no matter what's going on now. Jesus is going to put everything right when he comes back again. But what about us? What about us here and now? Well, we say to God, like David, my times, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. God will put all things right, but we don't exactly know when. We certainly can't demand when that happens, can we? But we can trust that in the meantime, God is good, whatever we're going through. We can, we can speak to God in our distress. We can cry out to him for vindication. So as we finish, just a couple of final thoughts um, about this psalm. This psalm is a prayer, and this psalm is a song. This psalm is a prayer, and this psalm is a song. So, so do we pray like this? Do we pray like, like this in Psalm 31? Prayer changes things. David cries out to the Lord and God hears him. When we take refuge in Jesus, our Father loves to hear and answer our prayers. Now, he might not answer our prayers in the way that we want or the way that we expect. Our times are in his hands. So prayer changes things. Prayer changes you. Did you know that? Prayer changes you. David commits his spirit into the Lord's hands. And he says, my times are in your hands. He moves from fear to faith. As we, as we express our dependence on God by praying to him, we too can move from fear to faith. As David goes through this pattern, this pattern of naming his affliction and expressing his confidence in the Lord, he can turn to praise him. You get, you get that sense, this psalm is almost like two psalms. If you just had verses one to eight, it's almost like one psalm. But then he goes through the whole motion again in the, in the next bit, verse nine onwards. As he repeats that pattern, he can go and move to praise. 
He's reminding himself of, of what's really true. And we can go through that pattern as well, and we can be changed to trust God and praise him more. So prayer changes you. The psalm is a prayer. The psalm is also a song. And do we sing like this? Do we sing like Psalm 31? Do we sing about affliction like David and the Old Testament people of God sang about affliction? Or do we only sing songs which kind of skirt around the edges of suffering or brush over it? Here's an example of a song about hard times. It goes like this. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We should definitely be singing about suffering. So back to where we started, that question I started with. How do we keep going? How do we keep going in the Christian life? How do we stay strong? Well, take refuge in the Lord amid affliction and cry out to the Lord for vindication. I don't know if you noticed that right at the beginning of the psalm, at the top of it, it says David, David wrote this song for the director of music. It's not, it's not just for David, but it's also for his people. The director of music is going to give it to, to the king's people. The king is giving his people the words to sing and the words to pray. And notice in the, the final verses, in those last two verses, David turns from God to address his own people. So David, the king, turns to his people. And we can hear these words from our king, King Jesus. It's like King Jesus turns to us. And what does he say? He says this, verse 23, Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We love you. Thank you that you are a strong fortress to take refuge in. Thank you that your hands are steady and secure. Thank you that we can trust Christ. When we take refuge in him, we can draw near to you. Help us to do more of this, to keep on taking refuge and keep crying out to you. Thank you that we can trust that one day everything will be put right. When Jesus comes back, we can be sure of that. Help us to keep going, even if life's really hard now. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.